the Bandroom Podcast is proudly supported by Kaleidoscope Adventures. Kaleidoscope Adventures is a full-service student trip planner with more than 26 years of inspiring student travel. Dylan and I have had positive experiences on school music trips, so we both know how much these meaningful opportunities contribute to students' musical development and create lasting memories. Kaleidoscope Adventures specializes in organizing unique trips to over 40 student-friendly destinations. If you're planning a student trip, you can count on the Kaleidoscope Adventures professionals to collaborate with you to organize the perfect education or performance tour. When you're ready to plan your next adventure, visit KaleidoscopeAdventures.com. That's KaleidoscopeAdventures.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Bandroom Podcast. My name, once again, is still Dilematix. <laughs> and I'm Kate Nishimura. Still, once again, always. Still, yeah. <laughs> once again, still. We're the same people. And I shouldn't say it like that because you might be a first-time listener, and we're so happy to have you, and thank you for stopping in the Bandroom. Um, that being said, it's been a while since we've been in the Bandroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've taken a little bit of a summer vacation, not as much as we did last summer, but still... Uh, a couple of weeks off, so it's great to be back here yeah. um, with you. How's it going, Kate? It's going. Um, I I will say that it was wonderful to see you in person last week. Yes. Um, and we haven't had the opportunity to, to do that in a really long time, so it was really nice um, for our listeners' context here. Um, Dylan came to visit Ontario for... A wedding and mm-hmm. some stuff and, and stopped over in Waterloo to uh, say hello to me. And it was it was really wonderful to uh, catch up a little bit in person. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I have, I have so many stories I could share. Um, <laughs> but uh, as, as many of you traveling, at least it's certainly within Canada, Air Canada specifically, mm-hmm. um, it's, a, it's a big mess right now. Um, so it was a bit of a mess getting there uh, to the wedding, but got through all that. And then um, my wife went home and I continued on a great tour of the great province of Ontario. And I took a train all the way to Kate's and I documented all this in an Instagram story. Um, but we made it and it was, it was a wonderful time to catch up in Kitchener and Waterloo. Um, and I'm uh, immensely grateful for the the uh, the welcome that I got from Kate. Brian, it's, it was wonderful. Um, and uh, I also had the opportunity to um, crash the University of Toronto conducting symposium for a day, which was really mm-hmm. fun because I hadn't been, well, I hadn't been, no, I, I had been in Toronto, uh, in Ontario for uh, before three years, but I haven't been in Toronto for, for over three years. Um, and I had talked to you about this a bit, but like just walking through um, the Macmillan Theater doors to backstage, mm-hmm. and and you know taking that right turn to the stage and being like, ah, oh, this is what I know. It's like this is what home. I miss. <laughs> yeah. And the first yeah. person I saw yeah. made eye contact with was uh, David Lum, uh, past Bandroom nice. guest, uh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah, so it was great to see him and many other people. But I'd have one more story that I need to share on the podcast because it was a crazy experience. So on the way on the way to Canada. 
not as smooth as uh, it was what it was what was in the news so i was kind of expecting it and, and accepting yeah. it yeah. however on the way back to arizona uh, i get to toronto pearson airport and i go through security there's no lines i get through in like 10 minutes and then the most nerve-wracking part not that i'm carrying drugs or bombs or anything <laughs> but like customs is always scary yeah so um get to customs get to my custom agent real quick and uh, sh she asks for my passport and things and uh, what's called an f1 visa student visa that, mm -hmm. that you need here to study and on that visa it says um, that i go to asu it also says that i'm a doctoral student in music so she read that I was a doctoral student in music. And she went, what are you going to do with your doctorate in music? And I said, well, hopefully I'll teach at a university uh, again at some at some point. Um, and then she went on to tell me that she was, uh, in high school, she was her, her, the, her marching band's drum major. So cool. And I was like, no freaking way. So she, <laughs> her eyes just lit up. Um, and she started uh, talking about this. And she almost went to some school in Texas for uh, post-secondary and all of this and and then she started ringing off dci bands to me <laughs> and i was like oh my gosh and um and but just to hear i, I can i can only assume her day-to-day -day life within that occupation is like maybe she probably loves her job but like there's probably some real jerks that come through there you know yeah yeah um so just to see her kind of like light up and I'm so excited to talk about how important marching band was to her yeah. in high school it was so cool yeah that's really um, cool and i, I, I just said thank you for making my day and i yeah. i went yeah it was great smooth sailing through great. the border <laughs> and, yeah and then i posted about it and immediately felt regret because i understand that many other people are that was not <laughs> their scenario yeah. um anyway we've this is a long intro um, <laughs> it's been a little so, while it's okay I, we, we're just yeah. it's been a little while yeah um <laughs> couple things before we talk about our fantastic guest. Uh, I just want to remind you, um, this episode will be a great episode of talking about consortiums. And we have one um, specifically through the Bandroom podcast. Mm -hmm. We mentioned it a couple weeks ago, um, but we've officially started what is the Bandroom podcast consortium project. Um, and it's a project that will be ongoing for years and years to come, hopefully, where every year we'll um, commission a composer to write a piece of music. And it will be kind of run through the Bandroom um, platform, we'll call it. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, this year, our first one is mostly one to serve me. Um, so <laughs> it is uh, uh, our dear friend, EKR Hamill. You hear his music Every week, if you listen to the podcast, Skyline is the theme music to the band room. Um, and he, we have commissioned him to write a piece for um, Double Woodwind Quintet, which I realize for some people might be um, not applicable to your, your school situation. Um, but it's going to be a cool piece around a grade five level, uh, around three minutes in length. Um, and it's going to be fun. And I got to see Evan when I was in Toronto. Um, so it was great to to catch up with him and talk about that. But you can um, learn more about how you can get involved with that that project by visiting bandroompod.com slash consortium um, to learn how you can get involved, to hear some of Evan's music. And you don't even have to have the ensemble. If you just want to be able to support um, the project, please do. Your name will go in the score and all that fun stuff. And you can know that you were part of uh, the creation of a new piece of music. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's it's just so fun, I think, um, for people to be 
part of the process of new music coming into the world. And Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, if anyone out there, even if it doesn't apply to you, like, please help spread the word to any other ensemble directors um, that that may be interested in taking part. Maybe they don't already listen to the podcast and so they won't hear about this. Um, But if you're listening and you know someone who might be a good fit for this project, um, please let them know and and tell them to get in touch with us about it and maybe tell them to listen to the podcast while you're at it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Come on, folks. Come on. Um, Yeah, get involved. Uh, But besides all of that, um, me returning to Canada and our great reunion that we had and, mm-hmm. and the project, um, we had the great opportunity today to talk to composer, educator, conductor, music. There's so many titles I could give her um, that it's, 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 it's unheard of. <laughs> but uh, we had the great joy of speaking with Marie A. Douglas uh, today, which was really fantastic. Um, we became aware of her through uh, a new consortium project mm-hmm. uh, that the Calif- California Band Director uh, Band Director Association is is doing through our friend um, Caitlin Bove. Um, so it was it was really great to you know it's always great to talk to someone that we don't know. Yeah. Um, but really uh, wonderful to talk to Marie, such a multifaceted uh, musician. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it was so fun getting the chance to meet her and just hearing more about her background in music and all of the wonderful varied influences that she kind of applies in her work uh, in such a variety of Mm -hmm. ways Um, yeah I I was so excited um, like you said Dylan just to uh, to talk to somebody new and uh, I it was a real joy listening to some of her music as we were kind of researching for this episode and um, yeah, definitely recommend to anybody who's listening to check out Marie's work um, and just to, you know, follow her example of, um, you know, following your own curiosity and um, just kind of going for it with the things that you're interested in, the things that you feel passionate about. She gave us so many wonderful things to think about and reflect on. So I think mm-hmm. everyone will enjoy listening to um, to her story. And uh, before we get to that, though, um, I did mention that, you know, you all can do us a favor by spreading the word about the podcast in general. Um, if you haven't already taken the time to subscribe to the Bandroom Podcast on whatever podcast platform you use, um, please do that. It really helps us out. Uh, you can give us a follow and a like and all of those things on social media. Um, and if you feel so inclined, you could give us a rating and a review and let us know what you like about the podcast. If there's an episode that stands out to you, maybe this one, maybe another one in the past. Um, it really does help us out by, um, you know, spreading the word to more people and helping us mm-hmm. grow our audience. So, yeah, thank you so much to everyone who's already done that. And if you haven't, take a second to do that now. We will be forever grateful. Forever. <laughs> if you want a, another way to support the podcast, you can do so um, by becoming a patron of the band room, um, which many people have been doing recently. And it's been fantastic. Yeah. Thank um, you, everyone, for the support. You can have access to bonus episodes and coffee mugs and uh, hangs with us as well as uh, some other things. Stickers. Uh, lots of fun stuff. So you can learn more by visiting patreon.com slash bandroompod. That's patreon.com slash bandroompod for more. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Marie A. Douglas. Marie A. Douglas. 
for another exciting Bandroom podcast, and we are super excited today to be joined by composer, educator, conductor, and the list could go on, Marie A. Douglas. Welcome to the Bandroom. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I've heard a lot about y'all, and yeah, I feel honored. Thank you. The honor is all ours, and thank you very much for those kind words. Uh, you first came to our attention through our friend Caitlin Bove, and she recently posted mm-hmm. a little interview about a project that we're going to talk about later on in the conversation. Um, and I instantly texted Kate and said, we need to have Marie on the podcast. So I'm just so glad that you're able to be here with us. Um, I guess we'll start where we always start. Where, why, and how did your musical journey begin? You know, this is a uh, this is a big question. You know, it could have started inside of my mom. <laughs> mm, you could probably like say it started like in a universe somewhere, but you know, definitely it started me going to you know school and finally getting a chance in high school to uh, to be in band. You know, but what when I really fell in love with music, that was like you know. Riding around my dad, listening to oldies, going to the um, farmers market and stuff. The Auburn Ave Farmers Market, if you ever been to in a, in Georgia, uh, listening to Erica Badu, my auntie. You know, learning about neo soul, hip hop, R and B, and then you know, I was asking all the adults in my life, like, who made Michael Jackson music? Who made Michael Jackson music? <laughs> and my uncle. My uncle, he uh, he told me, finally, after I asked, like, everybody I knew, and I'm, like, five or something, <laughs> you know, who made this stuff? Like, who made Thriller? Because I just started crying about human nature, man. I'm a little girl. <laughs> um, and I asked my uncle who, like, he was a percussionist. He is a percussionist. He, he played at the church. He served on tour with people like Earth, Wind & Fire and stuff oh, like cool. that. And so... He actually knew, like no one else could really say. So he actually knows, oh, yeah, Quincy Jones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like all willy nilly just says it. (laughs) I'm like, oh, okay, finally. But from that moment forward, it was like, you got to be Quincy Jones. That's who you got to be. That's me. And (laughs) so from there, you know, that's where when I was a little girl, you know, that's when it started. Although it was Quincy Jones was your kind of your great musical inspiration to to kind of give you the bug, uh, what was it that led you to um, you know one of the best instruments in the world, the French horn or horn, a highly debated name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the big the great debate, you know, <laughs> and I don't even understand how to go deep into it, so don't even ask. Um, yeah, me either. I don't care enough. Alphorn, as far as I know, uh, but. <laughs> what yeah. got me into the French horn was going. Okay, so I played trumpet. I made all state. I was a good trumpet player. I love trumpet. I was one of those people that liked to play high and, you know, get all the specialty mouthpieces from my friends who could afford mouthpieces. I was just using the mouthpiece. But, but <laughs> when I went to FAM, I knew FAM U, Florida AM. That's FAM is how we say it in Atlanta. Everybody's mm-hmm. like, oh, I went to FAM, I went to FAM. But uh, Florida AM. <laughs> Uh, and for the listeners that maybe don't know what Florida A&M is, it's a historically black college and university in Tallahassee, Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were like paying people to play French horn at some point and not in a negative way. It was just, you know, 
we need horn players. And so uh, mm -hmm. all my teachers told me that was the way to go. Do it that way. If you, you know, if you, cause I need, I needed the utmost amount to go to that school. I didn't want to go to any other school. And I knew that I could get the full amount to uh, do horn. So me being me though, I took it very seriously. I fell in love with it. You know, um, I learned about all the greats. Uh, I actually was so lucky to study with uh, William Capps. Uh, the horn player. Uh, every time I say that to people these days, it's like, you did what? <laughs> Back then, it was just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Going to applied. What's applied? I don't know. I applied to get here, but what's applied? You know, <laughs> right. but, you know, I was just going to these lessons with this legend guy who was doing this as a favor to Dr. White, Julianne White. Uh, but the way he taught me about horn, the way it whipped me into shape as a person, like he used to always tell me, you're not going to get good by osmosis. Marie. What, what are you thinking? You know, <laughs> he was the first person. Bill Capps sure. had me up at, you know, six in the morning in the uh, music building, warming up by myself. You know, that's, that's unheard of for somebody who was coming from where I was coming mm -hmm. from. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that is what got me on horn and got me, you know, and really just the most serious I've ever been about music. Mm -hmm. Right. Very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And then, so what was your path to becoming a composer? Was that something that you were always curious about from a young age or was it once you were playing in bands, like what kind of led you down the composer path? Uh, well, okay. So, you know, other than Quincy and his, uh, you know, rap sheet of things he does, it was people like Camille Saint-Saëns and the Carnival of the Animals. Mm -hmm. You hear mm -hmm. that in kindergarten. You know, yeah. I remember watching a video when I was in kindergarten and with that on it and all the animals running around. It was a cartoon slash real picture. Y'all might know that. Yeah. I don't remember what it's called. But uh, that got me into that, mm -hmm. like, composing as well. Like, just that dreamy Disney sound, you know, <laughs> romantic era mm -hmm. and on. Yeah. yeah, It'll get you, you know. And uh, The Lion King. You know, that was crazy. Stuff like that, The Land Before Time, those are the craziest, most emotionally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was messed up after I saw those movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still messed up over The Land Before Time. Like, dang, all the parents died? Yeah. <laughs> what? Come on, little foot. What? Mm -hmm. I don't my parents. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, kids. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I was... You know, that music was gripping, you know, mm -hmm. it, was, it was compelling. And I, for whatever reason, that kind of stuff interested me as a little kid. Yeah. And it has forever. And now a word from our sponsor. You know, Kate, I often think back to my time at music camp and how important that time was not only in my growth as a musician, but as a person. I feel the same way. My first time performing original music in front of a big audience was at a music camp, and many of the people I met at camp are still friends and colleagues of mine today. 2022 marks the 60th anniversary of the Interprovincial Music Camp. 
That's right, 60 years of being Canada's most comprehensive music camp. IMC offers specialized camps for all levels of band, orchestra, choir, musical theater, rock, jazz, and songwriting. Students can learn from faculty that include members of major symphony orchestras, Juno and Grammy Award winners, touring musicians, and music educators. Also, new this year is IMC's Beginning Band Camp, open to campers ages 9 to 14. Located at the beautiful Camp Manitou on Manitowabing Lake, located in the heart of Muskoka Perry Sound region of Ontario, Canada, IMC facilities are second to none. With fully equipped cabins, outstanding meals with one of the chefs dedicated to preparing meals for those with specific dietary needs. IMC is unique in that it is centered around music, but also offers a true camp experience, including traditional activities such as swimming, sailing, water skiing, beach volleyball, and much more, as well as evening programs for the campers each night after the faculty concert. IMC provides young musicians with comprehensive and exceptional musical training with faculty members who are some of Canada's finest performers and educators some of which include past bandroom guest, conductor, clinician, and educator Colin Clark, Dr. Colleen Richardson from Western University, Dominic Desotel, Principal Clarinet of the Canadian Opera Company, Sarah Jeffrey, Principal Oboe of the Toronto Symphony, and Vanessa Freilich, Associate Principal Trombone of the Toronto Symphony. They all bring a wealth of teaching experience and performing skills and are passionate about sharing their love of music with young musicians. Don't miss the opportunity to grow, be inspired, have fun, and make memories that will last a lifetime. Stay connected by following them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at imc.ca. That's imc.ca. To learn more about how you or someone you know can celebrate 60 years of the Interprovincial Music Camp, visit campimc.ca. That's campimc.ca. For me, it was like I remember watching Disney's Fantasia, where it was like this animated, um, you know, fantastical foresty things happening with like, yeah, classical music, um, well-known pieces of music happening in the background, um, but just kind of attaching a story to it, right? And and recognizing how the music shapes um, the way we experience a story, the way we experience what we're looking at. Um, that was kind of the start of it for me too. So that's awesome to hear um, that that was the way it was for you. And and so from being interested in it, like what was the first, what was your first attempt at composing or when you started saying that this was something you wanted to do, you know, where you met with support, how did, how did that all kind of happen? Well, saying that that's what I want to do. First of all, for me, it was like, I have, a bunch of siblings and cousins and they're all like crazy. <laughs> and so saying you want to do anything is like setting yourself up to get like ridiculed. Mm. Or, oh, I know this, you feeling. know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I come from a family it, of mechanics. So <laughs> they probably laughed at you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they still laugh at you. Oh yeah. It's Me and my stick. This together. Oh, they got you. They call you Harry Potter man. Yeah. Oh, we, we're gonna get them together. Yeah, we'll get them. But um, but yeah. So I wasn't necessarily met with like ability because my my, my family didn't know what to do. I don't think. Mm-hmm. 
um, at all. Now, the best thing about my life was just that I was dead serious. I don't know if y'all know what that means, but that means I'm for real. Mm -hmm. I was for real about this. And so I was like memorizing bass lines. I didn't have an instrument. I didn't have nothing, but I can sing every bass line to the Earth, Wind & Fire catalog. (laughs) That's awesome. Thanks to my parents. Yeah. You know, and so doing that made me learn. I didn't realize I was learning progressions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like the typical way to expect a progression to go, at least in Western music. And even some Eastern stuff, as well as Earth, Wind & Fire, you know? Yeah. So, uh, you know, Earth, Wind & Fire, anything you can think of for the most part. Uh, but yeah, so it wasn't necessarily just support that I was met with, but it was just, well, that's good, baby. Eventually, you know, when I did finally say certain things, like I want to do that, but all my life, I just played sports. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've been a basketball player since I was about 11 years old playing, uh, uh, in middle school and in, you know, some leagues around town and, until I got in ninth grade, I thought I was going to be, I'm like, I guess I'm just going to the WNBA. I know I want to be an entertainer. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's like, whatever. But, uh, you know, it was just like, whatever, I'm going to the WNBA. And then I started being like, no, no, I'm going to get in band. Because I kept, you know, we moved a lot. If you have any idea of the culture of Atlanta, especially the socioeconomic background, like where I'm from, the, of course, the parts I'm from, you know, people move often you know it's mm-hmm. real tra- transient i guess you know a lot of apartments a lot of you go to this school this year you go to this school next year right. you know so everybody's knowing each other all over the place and everything too but so me moving so much i was going to all these different schools and i wasn't able to get in band mm-hmm. i would get there after the deadline right. or it'd be um the class is full we can't you know because it's these schools that don't have enough resources as it is. So you're coming in here, you're talking about you want to play traffic like Quincy played traffic. And it's like, girl, no, we don't got no room. Mm-hmm. And so there was that until I got to Southside High School, which is uh, an Atlanta public school school. And they need, they just bring you off the street. Hey, what's your name? You got two, you got every, oh, let's go. You know how to say your name. You will teach you these, these songs. <laughs> Right. You know, and that's that's basically been my, my recruitment tactic as well. I've been doing that since. <laughs> I know y'all can't relate, but yeah, that's that's how I got into band. Just one day, okay. they messed up my schedule in high school. That was the support, and it was like, well, I was wandering the halls, and now they went and sat in the band room, and then I was like, I want to be in this class, and he was like, Well, go tell the, the counselor, and I came down there, and it's a wrap. Right. I want. I do want to get back to the composition thing, but was there ever a point with your family where there was like a flip, where they were like, "Oh, you can't," she is doing it, <laughs> and then they bug you so much to do it <laughs> that you're like, "Nah, leave me alone now." You you had your chance, back off. <laughs> well, that was probably like this past year. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, just when, once my parents saw me in action as a bander, mm-hmm. they were like, you know, the fan you stuff was a real good, you know, they saw me performing with Prince. They saw me at the ESPYs. They saw all this stuff. Right. 
And that while they were like, my mom couldn't deal with herself about the Prince performance. She was just like, well, I never thought you would grow up to be my favorite, but here you are today. <laughs> That's good. But like now, like after, after like my dad, you know, cause my dad is like the Venus and Serena, you know, I'm, I'm a athlete. That's what it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. his big deal is. And then really in Atlanta, uh, that was it. I was I'm known almost as an athlete, mm-hmm. you know, growing up. Right. But you know, his thing was I had to convince that, you know, me being um, an athlete, he wanted to keep that going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't hard for him to understand when I decided against continuing with that, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when he saw me, I worked at Tucker High School in uh, DeKalb County, uh, Georgia. And when he came to my concerts, he saw my parades and he came to the football games and he's like, oh, he's like, where did you get all this, you know, spunk and charisma from? <laughs> I'm like, dad, I just don't say anything at home. <laughs> it's always been there. There you go. But, you know, yeah. he's like, you know, you get this from me, right? You know, you do this. You know, you're just good at this. Oh, me, no. right? you know, <laughs> I was trying to, mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, but they're always been, you know, my parents were supportive of whatever we wanted to do right. that they could in their scope of things that they could understand. Yeah. You know, it's really people doing the best they can. do. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I remember like when I was in grade seven, started playing trumpet. They're like, mm, yeah, we don't want you to practice at the house if we can find <laughs> it somewhere else. And then I got good. And they're like, please practice at the house. And I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> no. Yeah. Sorry. My trumpet. uh you know, beginnings were in the backyard. Yeah. <laughs> Get out. Yeah. But not in a mean way. Just like it was really sweet how like now I'm an adult, so I know how you just talk to kids and make them do things. But it was like, why don't you go outside and try it out here and you just give it your best? I feel <laughs> Away like from my room. <laughs> and it was dogs, it was pit bulls everywhere, oh you know, gosh. people loud right. stereos, cop cars, city sounds. So it's mm-hmm. like yeah. Whatever, girl, you gonna blend right in and did. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Anyway, okay, I'm I'm gonna get I'm gonna go get myself back on. That was my fault. I'll <laughs> get us back on track. Um, but yeah, this uh, a composition. So, uh, I mean, one of our later questions is just kind of talking about how multifaceted you are, and I, I'm sure um, as a high school or uh, as a band director, you probably had many opportunities. To, to compose is that kind of where where that started and like what what led you to to kind of pursue end up pursuing a doctorate in composition oh uh, because i wanted to compose and i wanted to be act like good at it i did the performance mm-hmm. degree for undergrad right. i did the, the technology degree was like the program was split up in two tracks one was right like studio and the other one was performance basically composition okay. or maybe you would play and use technology to mm-hmm. compose yeah. play whatever so but I, I wanted a pure degree because i didn't learn at any point uh throughout this entire time how to write my one of my best friends he's a music supervisor in clayton county public schools which is a metropolitan atlanta public school mm-hmm. district he gave me a copy of finale in 2000 uh, finale 2002 back when we were in 11th mm-hmm. grade, which was like 2005. And that's what started the composition thing and the mm-hmm. arranging and such. But um, but I'd never been trained. And so, 
you know, I've been getting advice here and there. I had a lot of mentors, people that were, you know, would, would give me an ear, my homeboys, my friends, you know, they would say, Marie, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> we can't read that rhythm. Two dotted, uh, two dotted eights. We're not going to be able to do that. You know? <laughs> and so if it weren't for that scrutiny and these are my guys from the neighborhood, but they could play instruments, they could read right with me. And so they're like, nah, no Marie. <laughs> and then from there on, just there had been really not as much training. Uh, you take theory classes, you know, mm-hmm. and you get what you can from the four part writing and the cool ideas you get from, you know, theory three and uh, which is like, I hated theory three, but loved that. Anyway, the point is, and now here I am studying theory, but yeah. um, <laughs> I had to go through that. I felt like it would be my rite of passage. And here I am. That's not that's not so different from uh, from your path, Kate. Yeah, I am. Um, I also well, I still don't have any formal training in composition, um, but uh, <laughs> <Good for> you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I started with, you know, in high school, there was one computer in a practice room that had Finale uh, installed on it. And just any time that I could get in that room at that computer, I was trying to figure out how to how to translate the sounds in my head into something that other people could look at and interpret and make sense of and just a really hands-on kind of um, approach to trying stuff out. Um, but it's it's so great to hear that you are, you know, really committed to, to your own growth as a musician. Like all these things that you've done are following your curiosity and, you know, your belief in yourself. I think that's, that's really awesome. Um, I love to ask every composer this question as part of the, you know, how did you end up composing? But specifically, like, what led you to writing for band, for wins? I know I know you had such a positive experience being in band, you know, in high school and all of that. Um, but, yeah, I'd just love to hear a little bit more about your experience writing for band, um, what you like about it and, and all of that. Well... Well, first of all, thanks, Kate, for saying that. You know, it kind of makes sense. Well, the more I talk to people about my life, the more it starts to make sense to me. Yeah, you totally. <laughs> so you just help me. <laughs> so oh, therapy. that's good. <laughs> so um, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> building the middle. But yeah. <laughs> so, like, the reason why I'm writing for a band uh, or ever got started with that is basically I wanted to play Lean Back, you know, uh, you know the song "Lean Back, Lean Back." There, mm-hmm. I want to, want to, I want to play that, and so I wrote it out for my uh, band members, and we played it in high school. And mm-hmm. you know, songs like uh, it was a piece we put Alfred Reed. I love Alfred Reed. Alfred Reed saved my life. Me too. You know. <laughs> you know. Yep. And, I, and I'm not real, like, fond of educational, you know, music like that for Reed's uh, Festival Prelude, you know, mm-hmm. or his scoring there in general, just his brass scoring. And I was mm-hmm. a brass head at the time, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't care about Wilkins yet when we played that. Um, and so and it just it just compelled me and made me really want to you know, start experimenting with 
you know, sound waves as we're, you know, the vibrations of a brass instrument and stacking them up. Mm-hmm. I was just so compelled the way he wrote that. Mm-hmm. And it was really the first, like, major piece of music I played, you know. So. All right. Yeah, awesome. Very cool. You already mentioned technology and our, um, and once again, through my very deep research, um, <laughs> I've found your kind of this really fantastic list of, of music technology resources that you have on your website that we're going to make sure to, to link in our episode uh, notes. Um, but I'm wondering, how does your background in music technology um, kind of influence your approach to teaching and composing and arranging? And maybe what are some ways that you've incorporated uh, technology in the band room? Well, as far as teaching, like it gives me a chance to experiment with my students and to mm-hmm. teach things the way that I would. And it also makes it so that I can have these things that are completely free. It makes band more affordable for my students. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, the research that I do about, you know, exercises, you know, um, you name the person, uh, I can't even think Carmine Caruso. We were using stuff like that, mixing it, but mixing it up with a Clark study and mix stat, you know, just doing crazy things to these poor kids faces. (laughs) My corners. mm -hmm. And, you know, but it, it was, you know, that's the, the way that I would institute every, and then even without the technology teaching by rote a lot. Mm-hmm. Call, I call it, you know, pulling the notes out of thin air, telling them, play this, making them listen for each other, you know, play this rhythm back to me, use concert, this pitch. All right, we're going to stack it like this. All right, now we got a nice, cool song, percussion, make up a beat. Let's go. You know, so that that's my way of teaching because that's basically what's happening in a studio. That's, you know, so my use of technology is kind of, overlapped and made my brain really uh, probably stressful for a kid. I don't know. I think they like it. I think, I think it would be beneficial, especially I think we're all generally around the same age. Um, and, um, we've kind of had technology our whole lives in in some Mm -hmm. way. And I, I was recently reading actually someone who used to live in Georgia, Cynthia Johnson Turner. She was director of bands at university of Georgia, in Athens, uh, I was just reading that I'm, I swear to God, this was not planned. Um, but this, uh, future of the wind band book oh, cool. and, uh, and she has a, an article in there and it's, it's usually her, her usual speaking points, but, um, the idea of like, if I, if you had a time machine and took a tro- a trombone player from like Seuss's band and like brought him into your rehearsal space, <laughs> would anything be different? than when he was there no is <laughs> the conductor's at the front he sits at the back <laughs> there's people all around so the idea that like like we need to do stuff and and by the sounds of it kind of the cool things that you were doing and in, in incorporating technology in the classroom is really something that we should all consider more uh just to, just so we can really freak out seuss's trombone when he comes <laughs> to our rooms um <laughs> but yeah no it's super cool especially with the stuff on the website um that's all stuff that I use in my classroom, really going from the pandemic classroom, the pre-pandemic classroom to mm-hmm. my pandemic classroom. Mm-hmm. There was not so much of a difference. The biggest difference is, you know, that we didn't see each other in person, okay. but everything was very much the same. I will need a recording of you playing these measures by this day. 
I will need you to explain what you believe these measures, you know, the tonal, this, that, and the other, the rhythmic, et cetera, the harmonic, this, that, and the third. I will, you know, accept, you know, type it up, you know, whatever, deliver it via this. You know, we really didn't touch papers mm-hmm. uh, except for, you know, maybe passing out music from time to time. But for the most part, everything was housed on a Google Drive. Yeah, Everything was, you know, like so, because I couldn't deal with that. I came out and it I, the neighborhoods I taught in couldn't afford anything, but their kids would have this. You know, they yeah. would have yeah. a cell phone. And so that's what, you know, we I've been using it since I started teaching in 2013. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So you were prepared yeah, for... Yeah, that's something I've not thought about. <laughs> yeah. 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 How, how, how technology, you know, makes things much more equitable. And it, it, it made so much sense to me, uh, like, Thinking back to that finale CD ROM, mm-hmm. if nothing else, uh, that's we always had that or LimeWire. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Sit there and just hope that your parents don't uh, X out of the box you got open, <laughs> the yeah. window you got open yeah. for 12 hours. Yeah, exactly. That. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then as a, as a composer, um, how, how have you brought that into your into your work? I know um, Big City Lights is probably an example of of how you've brought technology into your into your writing. Absolutely. Oh man, Big City Lights is so such a random composition uh, for me because you know you spend your whole life and it's really <clears throat> like the second composition of its kind where I feel like I was truly living, you know speaking through my voice. Mm-hmm. Other than the arrangements I've done, other than the things I've done for my students, you know. Uh, the different compositions I'll make would be very much, you know, just not really Marie, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. really my back, my true background. Yeah. Like I told y'all, I started humming bass lines and memorizing things from yeah. songs that my parents are playing. And they, you know, they weren't playing Dave Holsinger. They just started listening <laughs> to Dave Holsinger. They were like, my dad texted me the other day, you ever heard of Abrams Pursuit? <laughs> yes, dad. No way. No way. Def- dead serious. Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> What's next, Swearingen? <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, right, man. We're <laughs> <laughs> talking about council loop. <laughs> Jeez. But, um, so the um, Pixie Lights came to pass because of, you know, just listening to the Migos. Have you ever heard, like, Hannah Montana and uh, Versace and mm-hmm. what's the, uh, you know, any song by them? But, you know, Triplet Flow, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I was listening to them and I just, you know, kind of took those aspects from that song electronic uh things acoustic things their voice <clears throat> and made it you know even the effects so the you you've, you've heard djs you hear edm you hear any kind of music that is electronically based and it has these sweeps and different dynamic changes that are sudden or you know it sounds like a day crescendo or it sounds like just the treble voices are playing mm-hmm. or like it's a woodwind choir mm-hmm. or it sounds like it could be a brass choir texture these are just textural things that i would consider you know that's the overlap of the electro in my mind acoustic mm-hmm. but specifically electronic things were um you know the traffic sounds putting them inside of there i had to do that you know going through that music technology degree my initial plan was to go to georgia tech and uh do their music tech degree but i'll just ended up getting this online thing because I wanted to work with my, one of my good friends during that period of time mm-hmm. when I was getting that degree. So, uh, but their program has a lot of, you know, 
more abstract, I'll say, uh, application of technology. And so using things like Max software and, uh, you know, just things that'll create programmatic things that create induce sounds as opposed to us performing the way we traditionally would know how to create sound. Um, but anyway, so I'm just influenced by all those sorts of things, including the industry sound. Mm-hmm. And so putting those into my, into Bit City Lights was, it's like a ball. It's like a rubber band ball mm-hmm. of music technology inside my head. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but as far as composing with the technology, I definitely do a lot of, uh, I make a lot of different electronic pieces, beats, things that I just throw to a video to, Something that makes me feel like I'm hypnotized and be like, mm-hmm. well, maybe it'll make them feel like they're hypnotized, you know? Yeah. You know, just whatever. And now a word from our sponsor. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. Kate, do you know what time of the year it is? No, but I feel like you're going to tell me. <laughs> yeah, I am. It's time for a new issue of the Canadian Winds Journal the biannual journal of the Canadian Band Association. I love the Canadian Winds Journal. It's full of great articles, everything from practical guides for teaching beginners to articles on health and technology. As well as study guides to some of our favorite band works, book and CD reviews, and profiles on some of Canada's finest band organizations, conductors, composers, educators, and performers. Even if you're not Canadian, you can check out the Canadian Winds Journal. Learn about all the amazing things happening in the Canadian band community and about our people. To see the latest issue, visit canadianband.org download. That's canadianband.org download to learn more about how you can get your hands on the latest issue of the Canadian Winds Journal. I love it. Well, firstly, I'll say that I really like that piece um i the first time i heard it i i played it a bunch of times in a row (laughs) because it was just like i want to get into this and like listen to each of the different layers kind of each each run through there's something different that stood out to me and um i love that it's just an authentic expression of who you are as a person as as an artist that it's such a mishmash of all the things that you've been influenced by, all the things that make you who you are. I think that's the best, like, I don't know, that's the best kind of creative output when it's something that you can just tell, like, I feel like I know something about this person because of hearing their work, you know? Um, So, yeah, I, I love hearing you talk about that. And the one thing that comes to mind is just, you know, you were talking about accessibility and, um, you know, using technology to kind of bring music to communities. Um, And I think it's so important that you're writing music that reflects who you are as a person um, because it will resonate with so many other people as well. Like Dylan said, you know, we all have kind of grown up, all the people that are younger than us, next generations, like are growing up with technology all around constantly so it only makes sense for there to be music for those people to play and learn and listen to that reflects that cultural experience as well right um so yeah just I don't know I feel like I just like word vomited a bunch of stuff but I'm excited about all of it (laughs) 
No, that was awesome. No, it wasn't. It wasn't even. It, it was. It was great. It wasn't that long. We talked this <laughs> much. <laughs> but yeah. no, it was. It means a lot to hear that. I appreciate that a lot. And I totally agree. Yeah. And I think it's something we talk about a lot on the podcast, not only as a composer but also just as a conductor or music educator and like being true to yourself mm-hmm. and your own voice. Um, and especially as a composer, I think there's this invisible musical hierarchy that uh, we choose to believe sometimes in band, especially that um, Granger or whoever Von Williams had all these folk music influences that were probably popular at their time. And they wrote music um, in which is influenced by that. And we have, we play <laughs> at nauseum. Right. Um, <laughs> and then thinking about, um, your, the musical influence that you spoke about and, and certainly in Kate's music, the, the influences that she has from uh, pop music or recently, uh, our friends, uh, Kevin Day and, and Kataj Copley and talking to them about their influences, especially Kevin's, uh, concerto for, for wind ensemble. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a heck of a lot of influence from his, from his dad and from his mom and, and all that stuff. Um, so it's really great, to kind of be exp- expanding outside of the folk music yeah. and bringing our own kind of folk music and, and uh, communities into our music so that people um, like me who are Canadian can, can kind of hear what's going on uh, down there in Georgia. Uh, so it's really a great thing. Uh, and I, and I can't wait for more and we're going to talk about more of your work too. Yeah. So um this is how we we kind of heard about you was through mm-hmm. this project. So we'd we'd love to hear about the consortium project um, with the California Band Directors Association and um, the the meaning behind you know the piece that you're writing and how all of that kind of came to be. Well, <clears throat> first, um, I'm so like excited to be doing this. You know, something that has to do with social impact. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, you can always sign me up uh, for that, you know, uh, because it, it, it hits home mm-hmm. to me a lot. Um, and in this case, I wanted it to be something that I felt encompassed a lot of the problems, you know, like about something that, that encompassed a lot of the issues that we have like in life. And, you know, we have gun problems. We have like mass incarceration. We have civil rights issues. We have you know, all sorts of everything you can think Mm -hmm. of, you know, so homelessness, rocket, you know, cost of living, inflation, you know, but what is a byproduct of that, that, you know, everybody could potentially be affected by, and that's mental health. Like, you know, I remember my parents being extra stressed out when we were kids, you know, about just trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. We were moving every year. You know, and the the toll that that took on my parents, how it broke them down, mm-hmm. uh, you know, causing depression, things of that nature. My my friends, parents, everybody, you know, uh, and then people in general, you know, people are starting to kind of just take harsh ways of, because of perhaps the pressure they're under, whatever the case may be, you know, anxiety, depression, you know, whatever. So, you know, just the opportunity to focus on mental health and try to be soothing mm-hmm. uh and specifically in teens though because you know they're, they're the future and they're you know having some a really hard time with it uh, recently this young lady that went to southern university she passed away mm-hmm. uh she took her own life and she wrote this you know gut-wrenching letter you know just 
just reading it. Uh, it was like a big social media, you know, phenomenon. But you know, seeing that that day, I was like, you know, there's so much going on. Even you know, everybody's every you know populations. You people think that you know, in certain populations, there are there's less suicide. You know, there's less mental health issues. No, it's just you know less talked about. Yeah. We're mm-hmm. not as comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so to take some of that stigma off as well, you know, just writing something for the future to realize, you know, we hear them and, and you're not alone. You're not wrong for thinking that, you know, you should see, seek help or what what have we. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so much power in, um, in art that, you know, helps to erase that stigma, like you said, and just, um, creates an opportunity for, for people to, uh, to connect with it, you know, from personal experience, every, everybody knows somebody who has been there. Right. And I think especially to be targeting youth, like young people, um, through, through music, that's such an effective way to kind of, you know, a creative outlet and an emotional expression outlet kind of thing for anybody who's interacting with it. Um, is it something that uh, people who are listening could still participate in? Um, you know, can you tell us a little bit about like the grade level and other details about the the piece itself? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it's supposed to be a two point five three ish. Um, the everybody's been asking for that, and so <laughs> I just was like, oh yeah, go ahead, absolutely, I'll do this. Yeah, but. Um, It'll be like a suite. So there'll be three movements and um, it'll be about five minutes, seven minutes long Mm -hmm. around there, Mm -hmm. in between there. And uh, each one will convey a different thing. Like one of them is about anxiety. You know, it's like there's a uh, there's a short little paragraph that. uh, uh, Basically, it'll. I'm going to show it to you. I should be on the, I'll send you the link, but mm-hmm. it it says everything about like, kind of like this young lady who goes through a kind of anxiety attack mm-hmm. one morning and, you know, it's a Saturday morning. She thinks she has to go to school. She wakes up. She's like, oh crap, it's late. Oh my God. Oh my God. What am I going to do? And it was basically my little sister. You know, she, uh, she gave me the idea because it happened to her. And it happened to her pretty often. Mm-hmm. Like it was a real fear she had of always waking up late and not being able to get to school on time and let you know, failing flunking out. So she would have this anxiety attack, you know. And um just describing that kind of but it ends with, Oh, I look at my clock, you know, I do my rituals that my grandma taught me, you know, and it calms her down, and then she looks at her phone, and she's like, "Oh, it's Saturday," <laughs> you know. And that happened a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just things like that. Like it'll have a paragraph with each movement that talks about, you know, some sort of thing that we all deal mm-hmm. with sometimes. Cool. Well, I was, uh, I was. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you for writing a piece about this. Um, uh, I was reminded on a recent trip to Toronto last week. Um, sadly, I'm still being taught by my mentor. Um, <laughs> but she reminded no me 
that um no shame <laughs> no 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 shame that that feeling of discomfort is a good thing sometimes and i'm reminded of uh talking to kevin about last year's consortium and how there was with there was some discomfort within the groups and the people who were playing the piece and um and i think it's really important that we feel that mm-hmm. even if it's even if it's something we haven't experienced uh, in our own lives, I think it's uh, important. So I'm, I'm grateful for for your work, and I'm grateful for uh, this CBDA. <laughs> there we go, <laughs> CBDA. No end. Uh, for, yeah, yeah. For their willingness um, to to you know ask you to to be part of this. So it's it's really exciting. So we're going to make sure um, to to link all of that to our our website, so you can uh, easily find how you can get involved with this really important uh, consortium. Thank um, you so much for that. And uh, we've we've spoken about how uh, you know you play the you play the trumpet, play the horn. If that's not enough, you started teaching people. No, that's not <laughs> enough. And music technology. If that's not enough, composing. If that's not enough, music directing for for cool things. <laughs> um, so, as someone who lives a, a multifaceted life, could you talk about this? Is the hardest question ever. <laughs> Could you talk about balancing the, the many different roles and, and interests that you have within within music? Ooh. Ooh. You want to see a funny picture? <laughs> There's no balance. <laughs> There's no balance. Kate, when you go on my page, Nets, you got to look at mm-hmm. like the first picture. There's a picture of me basically in the middle of writing. I had to write like 40 charts for that, uh, like arrange 40 charts or so for something uh that that tour i did mm-hmm. this is a picture right here they can't see it on the sound of course but that's it that's how i looked every night because yeah. i was in school and i was writing and, and i'm teaching as right. you know i'm a ta yeah. uh, uh, so i'm like it's crazy and i teach adjunct just because you know you got to keep something coming in you know mm-hmm. so it's like that's a lot to balance. But the thing is, it's all under the umbrella of music. And like I said, when I was a kid, mm-hmm. I was just memorizing those things. And I was doing all that stuff. And, you know, I wasn't doing that so that I could grow up and not do this. So I have to remind myself that. Mm-hmm. Remember back when you had nothing to do when your parents couldn't afford you to do this. So now you just got to go hard. Right. No, I think I think that's an, an important thing, just the way you started with. There is no balance. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we've, we've talked about it a lot, but just understanding that it's, it's a hard thing and like, and, and kind of, I don't want to say being okay with it, but just, um, our, our old saying that balance is a verb and it's something that's always happening. It's not, it's not a place. Um, it's kind of a really important thing. Um, but also the idea of, of you, you know, exploring those different aspects of your interests and and like unashamedly do it um and i think it's really important and i hope that all three of us are examples of that um in our own lives and careers that we're not just a conductor we're not just a composer we're not just a teacher um and that that all of these things come together to make us a whole Mm -hmm. um is really cool And, and certainly you're a fantastic example of that thank you thank you thank you yeah. Yeah, and it's honestly tough, it's it's oh yeah, it's so tough. And I think it's important to talk about it. And mm-hmm. I love that you just came out and said it like I like this is what it looks like. It's chaos. It's stressful. <laughs> it's exhausting. It's you know. Um and 
at the same time, of course, we don't want to promote that kind of like tolerating conditions that are not healthy and whatever. Like there, there is some sort of give and take of like, this is worth it because of how important this is to me versus mm-hmm. like, I need to take a step back because uh, I'm not able to give as much to the things that I've committed myself to, you know, like finding that balance is just really tough. And I think the more we talk about it, um, you know, it doesn't get easier, but it, it reminds us that we're all kind of, we're all trying to do that. Um, and none of us are perfect at that. And, um, it sets such a good example for students too, right. To, to see, um, leaders in the musical community, whether that's their teacher or conductor or, you know, a composer that they admire or a performer, whatever it is, um, to be doing lots of different things. Cause there's such, this is something I, I could talk about at great length and I, I won't, I will be concise here, but just, <laughs> you know, the, the pressure to choose like one thing that you're going to do forever, <laughs> um, and how impossible that is. Um, so the more we can show people like, look, like you said, Marie, it's all within the umbrella of music. Like, I'm still a musician, regardless of like which aspect of music I'm working on at, at any given moment, right? Um, so yeah, thank you for for saying that and pointing that out. Um, You're so right. You've given us lots to think about already, um, which is wonderful. Um, we have one one last question for you, but before we get to that, I'm just going to remind our listeners that the three of us are going to go off into bonus episode land, um, where we're going to hear. Ooh. An exciting mystery story from Marie. And uh, if you would like to check out that bonus episode and all of the uh, wonderful back catalog of bonus episodes that exist already, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash bandroompod. Okay, so for our last question, um, and this is, I know it seems so broad, but what advice do you have for composers, arrangers, educators, or just musicians in general, anything that you, any wisdom, you know, that you would offer, um, to people in this space? Hmm. It's it's tough. (laughs) Uh, Try everything. Try everything. You know, I learned that from my students to try everything. You know, Mm -hmm. I had already wanted to try everything, but I feel like my (laughs) students gave me the bravery to try everything, you Mm -hmm. know? Because, you know, it made me realize they used to just say little things to me that made me realize, you know, you know, but try everything, you know, give it a shot. You know, uh, the music industry is so much bigger than what we actually see in a band room growing mm-hmm. up. And most of us do oh, yeah. did want to be entertainers growing up. Like we don't realize mm-hmm. it, you know, but a conductor, you're a part of a whole entertainment uh, mm-hmm. industry <laughs> everybody like we just happen to be able to have this blatant side that we can call academia <laughs> and we can you know research over there and pontificate and this and that but really you know we're all just entertainers floating around in this industry and really today the best advice anybody can give us is to have multiple streams of income <laughs> That's where that starving artist stuff comes from. Yeah. Because, you (laughs) know, people don't understand how to work the field of music. You know, and and that doesn't have to be so at all. So go out there and get it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That'll fit on a t-shirt, right? Advice that can fit on a (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt. My favorite kind of advice. (laughs) Seriously, though, I really got to get this series going. 
We could be making millions, Kate. I know. Well, I said, <laughs> um, yeah, anyway. we're, I said, Marie, we, you can cut this out, Dylan. But for context, like every time we ask this question, Dylan gets really excited when when the advice is like good enough to want to wear on your body, like on a T-shirt. And so I said, OK, let's <laughs> let's make the shirts then that say all the all the pieces of advice that that people have given us. So yeah. there we go. Try stuff or what was it? Oh, go yeah. out and get it. Go out and get it. That's a good shirt. Try stuff. Go <laughs> on the front is try stuff. On the back, go get it. Go out and get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, there we go. I like it. I like it. <laughs> well, yeah. No. And <laughs> jokes aside, it is a really important thing um, to kind of just remind yourself of, um, and it's and it it also takes a willingness to fall on your face if you're going to try something. Yeah. So being okay with that too. Uh, but no, really a wonderful way for us to end. And I want to, once again, uh, thank you for taking the time to be with us here in the band room. Um, you know, Kate and I are really lucky to meet new people uh, through this medium. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're one of those people that I hope, I really truly hope that this is not the last time that I get to see you work with you and, and, and do things. So, uh, you're an important voice in our world and I can't wait, um, for the consortium and everything else that you got going on. So thanks so much, Marie, for um, being in the band room. Thank y'all for having me. I really do appreciate it. y'all are cool people and I'm happy to come on any other time again. Okay, careful. Careful what you say. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for spending time with us in the band room. If you want to learn more about anything we discussed in today's episode, check out the links found on our website, bandroompod.com. If you liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe to the Bandroom Podcast. Give us a rating and a review and tell all your friends about how much you enjoyed it. If you really love the show, maybe you should consider becoming part of our Patreon community where you can support BRP and get some extra incentives in return. Or you can buy some sweet, sweet BRP merch helping to offset podcast hosting costs and investments into new equipment so that we can continue to bring you great content and great people. Follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube to keep up with what's on the go. If you have any thoughts on today's episode, leave us a comment on our website, bandroompod.com, where your comment might be featured on a future episode of BRP. Our theme music is Skyline, composed by EKR Hamill and performed by Dr. Gillian McKay and the University of Toronto Wind Ensemble. Stay safe and be well, bandies. Thanks again for stopping by the band room. Thank you.